Let's do that hockey. Welcome back to another episode of Dauber Prospects Hockey. It has been forever and a day since I had an episode out, so sorry about that, but the drought's over as the uh, hockey season kind of starts to think about coming around again. Uh, we've got some some hockey happening. NCAA started up just recently. We've got hockey going on in Europe. The QMHL's playing. Who knows what's going on with the OHL, uh, the AHL, and the dub, if they'll get some seasons going. And the NHL seems hell-bent to leather to, to start their season with an outdoor game on New Year's Day. So hopefully that all happens. So as the NHL season hopefully comes a little bit closer and closer. A lot of people will be doing their fantasy hockey research and draft preparation for their fantasy drafts. And I want to talk about something that this show is relevant to, and that is rookies and prospects. And I'm pleased to be joined by this episode's guest, none other than Pat Quinn. Pat, welcome back to the pod, buddy. Thanks. I'm glad to be back. And I can be heard a lot better. And no jet in the background. <laughs> no jet in the background. That's right. Yeah, we're on an episode with uh, with Yoki. And I think we had like a, a bus or a jet going through in the background. Actually, I might have edited that out. So in case you have no <laughs> idea what I'm talking about, I might have cleaned that little that little chestnut right out of there. Oh. Um, so for those of you who, who, who may not be familiar with Pat, uh, he is unfortunately not the legendary late great Pat Quinn from the NHL coaching circles, but uh, he is the uh, current great Dauber Prospects writer and editor uh, who covers the Washington Capitals and does a variety of editorial content, including a Wicked Ramblings. And uh, I've invited Pat on this episode because he had a nice series out uh, during the long, long pandemic break from, from hockey there talking about prospects and some opportunities on rosters and i thought who better to have on the show than someone who's already done the research and can share that wisdom with us all so thanks for coming on pat yeah thank you for inviting me pete i just hopefully have it all set up properly uh, by that i mean my research so i'm not clicking a million times <laughs> <laughs> oh well i just make it up pull it out of my arse so let's hopefully between the two of us we sound good <laughs> yeah either that or like you said it'll just be a short episode a short episode so some research that i recently did i uh i penned an article for the upcoming yearbook for mckeens and i did a rookies ranking and if you want to hear a lot more information on on rookies you can catch me on an episode of the steve laidlaw podcast which will be airing very shortly or as you're listening to this it could be out already um i'm not sure if you're going to hear a lot of entry draft rookies coming up on this episode um just because not too many of them i think will have an immediate impact in the nhl so for the purposes of this episode i think what we're going to focus on primarily is uh, uh rookies sleepers prospects who will have the most immediate fantasy value we'll give emphasis to those players um to, but fear not if you're in a dynasty league uh, there'll be uh, lots of information that you can glean from this episode as well for your Dynasty League. As anyone who listens to this episode knows, I love to go deep, 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 deep. So, Pat, where should we start? Um, we kind of got uh, 
a little bit of, of preamble in before I hit the record button, but we didn't really design on where to start. Let's let's talk about a team that uh, you think has a lot of opportunity for some prospects to come in and and soak up some quality ice time minutes because I think that's one of the first things you need to look at when you're when you're searching for guys you can pick in your late rounds that you can take a swing at the fences for if they get the ice time and uh, if they have the opportunity that's where you have to start not necessarily who's the best prospects who could come into the NHL but who are the prospects that are good and have a great opportunity uh, so what's a, a team or two where you want to start? Oh, I thought you were going to go with the team. We could just go with Ottawa since you seemed very keen on that one. Well, I live uh, in Kingston, Ontario. So I do when they were playing like a lifetime ago, it seems. Uh, I was able <laughs> yeah. to go to a fair number of Belleville games um, and, uh, and and see a lot of the, the players on their farm system live and firsthand and see how they're deployed and 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 all that so yeah there's a couple players on the ottawa senators who i think um have nhl futures i think the senators did a really good job last year of cycling those players throughout the system it seemed like it was a constant revolving door (laughs) where almost every other day someone was either going up or coming down I think that also might have been a little bit of a cost-cutting measure, too, because, you know, you pay players less to play in the AHL. Uh, y- yes and no. Um, I see what you're saying, and that was certainly the case for uh, some of their roster moves, but because the teams are in such close geographical proximity, I think they just exploited the fact that they have a lot of players who are on the cusp of... Um, breaking into the NHL and rather than just pick a few of them that are the closest and giving them poor minutes and press box time at the NHL level, uh, they just kind of cycled that through. So they'd call guys up, they'd, you know, practice with the team, maybe play 10 minutes a night and then for a few days and then go back down and, and soak up the gravy minutes back in the AHL with, with Belleville. Um, so the senators brought in a couple of, of veterans to take up some roster spots in Evgeny Dadanov, who is their highest paid forward now. Um, they also added, um, I think Austin Waston was a an off-season addition, as well as they're taking a swing on a one-year contract. I think it's a last chance for Alex Galchenyuk. So not, you know, not too much there that's, ooh, ah, franchise future stars. <laughs> These are yeah. these are fillers in, until their their kids maturate, or like they could just work. Galchenyuk's a risk everyone wants to kind of take, somewhat. Yeah, well, let's start right there. Actually, um, I think he could be a sleeper. He's a low risk player. You'll be able to get him super duper late if you're in a cap league. He's making chump change. You know, a million and and a couple of pennies. Um, What's his competition on the roster? He's he's a left winger. He's got to compete with um, well, Brady Kachuk, really. Kachuk, yeah. Rudolph's um, Balsers, I believe he played left wing too. Yeah, uh, I mean he can play right wing. They got a bunch of guys who can switch sides. Um, yeah, Galchenyuk's all over too, center. Yeah, if, if um, it ever works, because everyone loves uh, you know, the idea of him at center. But coaches, everyone but coaches, I should say. Yeah, I mean, the guy's bounced around so much in the last few years. Uh, 
it's not very often you see a player become this much of a journeyman at this young of an age and then and then figure it out. Right. It looked like yeah. that kind of might have happened with Anthony Duclair last season, but the Sens kind of just walked away from him as well. <laughs> yeah, he um, wanted substantially more money, I think, is what they said. That's yeah. just GM speak, too, of course. Sure. But I mean, can you blame him? He had a great season. Yeah. yeah well, in the first half, if you managed to unload him around the All-Star game, you did pretty well. True. True. Sorry. So what's what's your take on Alex Galchenyuk? Gay or nay? Yeah. If, if you have like a, a late round pick where you're like these are your you're, you're picking your bench players on your fantasy yeah. roster now right and and he's available if it's a cat league or not would you even bother roll the dice on him or would you would you take someone who's maybe like uh a connor brown who doesn't necessarily have the same kind of upside but you know he's going to play a regular shift every night well with connor brown he's already in their top six i think they're a big fan of him right they traded specifically for him with toronto yeah, but his offensive upside, I think, from fantasy point of view, yeah. is pretty limited. He's, He's more good of a, if you keep him on character the top player. One. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd say Galchenyuk is more, but ever since his knee injury in like Montreal, he's just never been the same player. He had the thirty goal year, and like everyone knows, he can shoot, despite no one ever putting him in the right circle power play spot, but. I think he could produce, but he's going to need to play with someone, and then the center, the the centers on the senators that is difficult to play to say a lot more difficult than i <laughs> anticipated right. um it's pretty much colin white and anisimov right now and chris turney i guess he was good but there's no one special like um, if hopefully drake batherson who would be a good sleeper pick who i have picked the last two years and who has burned me each the two years but you know third time's the charm in my pool coming up i Assume I'll take him late round again. Yeah, because he has to eventually figure out the NHL. He tears up the AHL every time. But if Batherson can figure it out with Galchenyuk between like Chris Tierney or maybe Josh Norris finally gets promoted, then that could be a pretty deadly line. Yeah, you know what? I think I would uh, be willing to roll the dice on Galchenyuk. And if he's, especially if he's, so low risk as he is right you can get him super late and if you're in a league where you can just throw players away and put them on waivers and and grab something else that's a little bit more shiny off the waiver wire (laughs) then really what have you got to lose and if you're in a league like the dpfhl where you can't drop him he's only got a one-year contract so it's not like it's a seven-year contract where you've got this anchor on your roster gobbling up cap space and giving you nothing in return um and I think the upside for him could be, you know, uh, 20 goals, 40-point season maybe. Yeah, 2020 in the middle six. That would be good. Yeah. Now, if I had the choice between Galchenyuk and Batherson, I'll take Batherson all day and every day of the week. Uh, yeah. I'm a big Drake Batherson fan. I mean, this... I'm always maybe a little bit hesitant when you have kids who come along that are that are late bloomers and Drake Batherson kind of came out of nowhere. I think he was like a fourth round pick for the Sens. And then like a year later, he's playing on Team Canada at the World Juniors. And you're like, hold the phone. Who's this kid? Yeah. And then after that, he makes his NHL debut. And I'm pretty sure he had like a two goal NHL debut. And it seems like he's been just banging on the door for about three seasons now where yeah. he gets call-ups and he looks good in the NHL, but then the Sens just send him back down for long stretches in the AHL. 
And I like that. I think that's going to be just fantastic for his long-term development. I've watched him play live at Belleville a number of times last season. And he gets deployed in, you know, top six role, top six minutes. He's He's got size. He skates well. He's very good offensively. He's dynamite along the boards. And he's got good hands in front of the net. Um, there's a, he's got versatility. He, he can play in a bunch of different positions. And he can play the game a bunch of different ways. And I look at how I think the Sens are trying to model their roster. And it seems like they're trying to be a team that's going to be skilled, but big and fast. And Drake Batherson checks all those boxes. Uh, so I think he's I think he's probably the best candidate on the Senators forward roster to have uh, a breakout on the on the team this year. Um, yeah, I would agree. It's hard to disagree i think he'll get the best shot at the top six him yeah. and connor brown will be the right wings <laughs> yeah yeah well wait um, no you got dadnov there now too dadnov's got to be a right wing he's got to be on the top line with um kachuk or else why did you bring him in yeah that team's just kind of all over like um when I wrote it on uh, the 19th covering the Atlantic in my prospect ramblings on Thursday. Um, like they have a bunch of room because so many players are either on ELCs or just two-way deals. And there's just, it seems like there's just kind of not enough room for all the players that are super close. Like like we said, we got Batherson. And we got, I mentioned yeah, before, Josh Norris is online too right now. He's trying to get into this conversation saying, guys, 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 <laughs> I like led the AHL in scoring yeah. points for rookies last year. But then with that too, you had Rudolph Balsers and Philip Chalipek who are, yeah, I always say his name wrong, but um, they pretty much came up and down and spent a majority of their time in the NHL. And that's also, we're even forgetting um, Vitaly Abramov and, Alex Fermentin, who played great in the AHL and didn't get as many call-ups. Yeah. Like so they have like six legit players who could play. It's just it's hard to find room. You're absolutely right. I think two forwards will, will make the roster full-time. And for the rest, I think they'll do the same thing this year that they did last year. And they'll just keep cycling those guys through the roster throughout the season. And I think the two forwards that... Um, our prospects that will make the forward roster on a regular basis. Uh, I put my money on Batherson and Norris. Yeah. Oh yeah. Norris is, he's too good to stay down. Yeah. And he's, but... he's got all those things that I just said about Batherson as well. I mean, he's not, he's not a juggernaut, but he's a, he's got decent size. You know, he's not a shrinking violet. Um, he's versatile. He could, fill in and play center or if he's on the wing and the center gets kicked out of the draw no problem throwing him in he's probably just as likely to win the draw and the thing that surprised me the most about watching him last year that i didn't really know about was they deployed him on the power play and he was the trigger on the power play like they would pass the puck around and try and create a passing lane for him at the at the faceoff dot for the one-timer and there was one game where they had like three or four power plays and he got off about six shots. Now, the problem is when he misses, it's 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 frequent, right? Like he had about <laughs> six shots 
And I think five of them just like missed the net. But the that one that like hit the Dion money was enough. <laughs> yeah. But uh sorry. Some of the passes. Like, some yeah, of the passes five were on the money. Nah, that's fine. You're you're not wrong. Uh some of the passes weren't uh weren't in the wheelhouse, right? Or or some yeah. of them were were deflected and and were like knuckleballers that came to him. So, you know, it's not like he's a total fanuf, but um <laughs> but man, like I, I saw the the good there and the value in in that role for him. And I was like, man, that's very translatable to the NHL. Um yeah. so I like him. Uh, what let's talk quickly about the Sens blue line. So you've got Thomas Shabbat. He's your he's your guy. He's your number one. Yep. Um, they've got Zaitsev and Mike Riley lingering around from last year. They signed uh, a couple free agents or traded. I don't know how they got Erica Branson, but he's on the roster. And Artem Zub comes from yep. um, comes from Europe. Uh, Josh Brown, I think, will be a regular on the roster, and and he might be a sleeper if you're in a league that has the bangers and mash, keeping Carlson kind of stats. You know, a lot of they might look to him to replace some of what they lost from Borvietsky, whatever slack there is to pick up there from good Branson. Um, but I think the main guy on the blue line for the Sens this year is going to be Eric Branstrom. I'm really yeah. bullish on him. Um, where are you with Eric Branstrom? Um, Eric Branstrom is awesome. I love him too. The only problem for Eric Branstrom is that the guy who's already on the Senators blue line is Thomas Chabot and that kind of eliminates your power play one chance for him. Sure. Yeah. They could work together, but then lots more teams are changing to like a four forward one defense sort of setup. And so I like him. I like him a lot. Obviously they have to like him a lot if he was the only thing they got back in the stone trade. But like, I think he's going to be a top line defenseman. Absolutely. The only problem, like I said, it's just Thomas Jabot is already there and he's already established. It's definitely Thomas Jabot's role. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, we, you know, why do you go with four forwards and one defenseman on the power play? Because the forwards are more offensively creative, right? They're yeah. better playmakers. I'm not sure that's the case with Eric Branstrom. And some of the other options on the Senators' forward roster. Um, yeah, I might I might be wrong. They might they might stick with the four and one deployment. And Eric Branstrom, especially as a rookie, you know he gets the uh, he gets the sloppy seconds on the power play and you know <laughs> the the thirty seconds at the tail end. Yeah, um, or thirty seconds at the start if Thomas Shabbat was was just at the end of his shift when the penalty was called. But I speaking of trading for. Uh, for him from Vegas, I might have called in sick on trade deadline that day and stayed <laughs> home and watched it on TV. And you know what I remember about that? What? I remember Bob McKenzie saying that the Senators get a defensive prospect that is the same caliber of Kamakar and Quinn Hughes. He is like right yep. on par with those guys. And they finished first and second and called her a trophy last season. Yeah. But they also so, didn't have pretty much their exact clone sort of already established on the roster too so that's why it's like i know branstrom's great but i sort of hesitate like i would be fine picking him like middle late sort of um in a keeper or not in a keeper draft in in the keeper draft i'd pick him like immediately if he was available um in sort of a one year sort of league yes so i think his 
keeper long-term value is way higher than his short-term one-season value because a couple of reasons. Uh, I think his deployment will increase as he gets through his rookie season, and he could conceivably, when he and Thomas Shavad are both in their prime, he could be the number one power play guy. Yeah. Um, and like you said, they could both be on the power play. There's nothing stopping them. You got those two, right. and then you got Kachuk in front, and you'd have to have Dadnov since you're paying him so much unless you put someone else there like two or three years down the road. The other the other thing that's attractive long-term versus short-term for Brandstrom is the Senators are a, they're a garbage team. And yeah. <laughs> the, the, but they yeah. are going to be a great team in the not-too-distant future with all of these young players they have. And we haven't even talked about Tim Stutzla yeah. uh, or Sanderson yet. So yeah. You know who we also forgot? Logan Brown. Like, what's happened with him and the Senators? Yeah, talk about there a sleeper. A lot he, of promise there, and then it just like it seems like him and the organization. It just seems like something's there between them not working. You know what I mean? I do. Um, and I think I don't know if it's a thing between him and the organization or not. I think it just might be a lack of development. I haven't seen him progress as much as I had expected he would at this point. Not to say that he's not progressing, um, and I might have had higher expectations than what were realistic for him when the Sens drafted him. And, and before he was drafted, I was a very big fan of this kid. I was like, wow, man, Joe Thornton upside. Big playmaking center. He can skate pretty good. Only so, loves to pass. He's such a great playmaker. Right? He makes ridiculously good passes much better than you know he doesn't do the you know sense fans will remember spezza making the the drop pass at the blue line that resulted in you know a, a shorthanded breakaway every other game um he yeah. just he doesn't make as many or or those same kind of blunders that a lot of playmakers make he's a little bit more reliable um but he just his i think he struggles with the pace when the pace gets really really intense um, he he doesn't stand out as much anymore. But when the pace is slow, or it's you know it's a preseason or an exhibition game or an AHL game, and the pace isn't quite as as intense, it's like oh hey, there's Logan Brown. I forgot about yeah, him. Yeah, or he's given all the time in the world on the power play, like no one's focusing like or attacking mm -hmm. him. Mm -hmm. Okay, well I think we've kind of uh, exhausted the sends here for a little bit. We kind of glossed over the goaltending, but uh, that's okay. Oh, I was thinking a dark horse candidate for defense on Ottawa too could be um, Lassie Thompson, um, but he might be staying loaned overseas. I don't quite remember what's going on with that. Well, if the world was spinning normally like it like it should, uh, he might have come over for preseason. But um, the way COVID's going, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these European prospects just said, "Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm good." Yeah. And, it, it might be Inland smarter, too, to whatever, keep him there because, like you said, the Sens are crap this year, so no point. Yeah. And then the there. NHL is going to be a short season, and, um, you know, they're they're playing a lot closer to fuller seasons over in, in Europe because they've already started. Um, so that that's something, too. Um, you run the risk of, of coming over to North America and losing your roster spot to a kid that's you know, displaced from the OHL or the USHL or something like that, or, or NCAA, you know, Ivy leagues canceled their season. So all those guys were looking for jobs. Yeah. Um, you know, if you come over for an NHL training camp, 
for two weeks or a month and then get cut and then go back home and your club team's like, oh, dude, sorry, but you know, (laughs) this guy's playing better than you were before you left, so we're going to keep going with him. Yeah, he was only really a dark horse candidate for me because I was like, well, maybe, but I don't really see it. He looks better, like, next year. Yeah. But even then, like, that's Brandstrom and Chabot and Thompson and maybe even Sanderson all in the NHL. Like, where's the power play time going to go? I know Sanderson isn't the best for the power play, but comparatively, I guess. Yeah, I think he could play, but when you've got other options that you could put ahead of him, like Shabbat or Brandstorm, then why would you? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, there's also Maxime LeJoy or LeJoie. I don't know how you say it. Yeah, LeJoie. Yeah, I'm just going from the, um, the league actor who was on YouTube for a while. The guy John from the league. Lejoie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyone anyone who's in a in a fantasy league should should know all about him and some of his uh, <laughs> some of his lines. Uh okay, let's let's switch gears. Let's talk about another team. Um okay. before we started, you talked about uh New Jersey. So yes. let's go to the Devils. You like their uh opportunity. That's where we started with the Sens talking about teams with roster holes that need to be filled and uh new jersey's got a pretty good prospect pool too i I like a lot of the players that are coming up in their system and i thought they had a good draft as well so where do you see some holes sorry where do you (laughs) i gotta remember don't cut them off (laughs) okay keep going yeah where do you see the holes on the devil's roster let's start up front you've got (laughs) heischer hughes and zajek down the middle no holes there no Left wing, they bring in Andreas Janssen. They've got uh, Jasper Bratt, Miles Wood, Yanni Kokinen. There's some opportunity there. there. There's a job to be won there. Yeah. Right wing, Palmieri. I think he's a lock. And then Gusev. I'd love to see him succeed. Uh, he did a little bit better in the second half, so hopefully he has his coming out next season. I don't know if you could call him a prospect anymore. Maybe still a sleeper. Yeah, but, somewhat for if you're in one-year leagues. Right. And then not much after that. Nick Merkley. No. There's Beck. kind of a lot of room. There's like, I, I listed about three or four spots open, I think. Like, um, yeah, there's probably three or four spots open up front. Unless they make another trade or two. They still have a lot of cap room, I believe. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Where are we with Michael McLeod? He's a first-round um, pick that has quietly done nothing. <laughs> he's a very good skater. <laughs> yes, he's and always been a good skater, but he, he's, he's doesn't do anything. Really, more I found that I think he realizes like his shot never really improved, and that was one of the big question marks on him at the draft. Like his playmaking is fine, but I really think he's more going to be suited for if he makes the NHL stuck in the bottom six, sort of as like a two-way center sort of thing. But then the problem for him is, like you said, the Devils have Yeesher and Hughes and Zaka down the middle. Zajac. That guy has bugged me in fantasy forever. Zajac's still there. Did I say Zajac in my top three? Yeah, Yeah. well, he's... I'm not wrong, he is there, but, I mean, Uh, clearly I meant to say Zaka. (laughs) Zajac's no longer relevant. Um, yeah, so I think Mike McLeod is an example of one of those players that um, needs to reinvent his game. 
to play at the NHL level. You know, as a kid coming up through the OJHL and the OHL, he was always the star on the team. Yeah. All-star game, uh, World Juniors. I'm pretty sure he was on the World Junior team for Canada back in the day. Uh, but he's just not a top six player at the NHL level. And to your point, he's got wheels. So if he can, like, that's a valuable commodity in the NHL right now is being able to skate like the wind and, and have agility and, and get around the ice quickly. Um, I think he's going to have to reinvent his game, which unfortunately means his fantasy value. The needle just, just drops right down for him. Yeah. Like it pretty much depends how big your fantasy league is. Like if you have 20 forward roster spots, maybe you'd want to add him. Maybe. Yeah. And, Maybe if it's points only or face-off win, something like that. Otherwise, he's pretty much not quite relevant anymore. No. Until he can, unless he, like, some players just figure it out when they get to the NHL, you know? There's been a few times where there's been, like, no real AHL production because the Devils' AHL squad is not the best and hasn't really ever been the best. But he could come into the NHL and just all of a sudden produce. But then I think we both already agreed that there's three centers who are ahead of him who aren't going to give up center or ice time to him. Right. And he might have to convert to a, the wing position. Um, okay. So open forward roster spots for prospects or sleepers. A uh, couple of names that jump out on me here. Nolan Foot. They just drafted Dawson Mercer. He's got another uh, two years of junior eligibility so i don't think he's going to make the roster of this year that's for sure uh alexander holtz was their uh their top pick um he's a tremendous goal scorer but i think he might need a little another year in the in europe before he's ready to to come over and 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 seriously compete for a roster spot so i think you're not looking at a, a prospect necessarily that wasn't on the team before but i think we're just looking at one of the aforementioned players that i said earlier guys like jasper bratt nikita gusev maybe a nick merkley or a yanni kukinen uh yeah. Jasper Boquist. yeah maybe maybe one of those guys to kind of separate themselves from the herd yeah uh yeah i don't do you want me to talk no <laughs> yeah yeah out of, um, out of all these guys who's who's was, one that you think would uh would be able to do that yeah i was giving you a hard time sorry um well okay. you can bust the, my chops on my own podcast okay good <laughs> The Zaka Gusev and Brat line to end last year was actually really good. So I would like to see the Devils keep that together. Um, when I was on Steve's podcast, um, we were also talking about the Devils, and I was not a fan of Lindy Ruff, but Steve did bring up that he does get teams to score. So he might not get them to defend, but he gets them to score. So that should be interesting. So I'm hoping the uh, cues to sort of wing position will die off from there and that third line gets kept so then you have you have he and palmary and then you're kind of stuck like who are you going to put with hughes are you going to put johnson there there's like so much room i really like nick merkley and i really think uh, jesper boquist could step up if given the opportunity i think more kukoinen is more suited to the bottom six roles I'm also a fan of him, which is the Devils don't have anyone that looks super sexy that would start, but they do have a three player or they have Boquist and Merkley who people might completely forget about that could come in and produce. 
All right. So between Merkley, Jesper Bratt, Yanni Kukkonen, and Jesper Boquist, those four, which one would you pick first? Because I'm oh, assuming yeah. Andreas Bratt. Janssen and Nikita Gusev are already gone. Yeah, well, you'd have to take Bratt right away, take him right away. Yeah. He pretty much gets power play time, too. Right. He's a little bit more established, wouldn't you say, as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then next up, I don't know. It's like it depends because I think you'd, the rest of them are all kind of late round flyers. They could either do well or just have an sort of okay for a prospect that's up and down last year and up and down again this year sort of year where it's like seven to 12 points, nothing special. Yeah. But then all they right. could catch fire on the right line. Like like I said, I'm a big fan of Nick Merkley. I'm glad watching him in the NHL that the knee injuries that plagued him for like two straight years, he seemed great out there. Yeah, I. it's really disappointing when a player's development gets derailed by injuries. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, especially if, if they're never able to either recover or achieve the potential that you thought they had not every player achieves their potential that just doesn't happen but and then you have an injury and you're like well is it because of the injury or just because it wasn't wasn't going to happen and then sometimes you have a player who like gets injured misses a season or a season and a half and then comes back and yeah. achieves their potential anyways and that is a feel good story and they're usually really great sleeper picks that make you look like a genius too. <laughs> yeah, I, that's why I have a feeling that could be Merkley, but he also might settle because of the knee injuries to just a bottom six sort of winger role. But yeah, it's good to take a risk on him. Well, let's let's talk about that for two seconds. Injuries and chronic injuries. I think you know if you have a player who has a, a number of injuries, but if they're all kind of different, uh, I'm sometimes a little bit more forgiving as than I am with the player like Hendrix LaPerriere, who has like three concussions in one season. That's a yeah. major red flag for me. Well, uh, or, didn't or, they say it was one concussion? They said the rest were neck injuries? Sure. And Sidney Crosby could also had just the same be, thing, right? Like yeah, Crosby missed like an entire time. season for concussions. And then before, just shortly before he came back, they're like, you know what? This is a neck injury, not a concussion. Yeah. And it's like... It was like a script. It's like, oh, actually, he's his career's not over. He's going to be just fine for another 10 years. Yeah. Um, but, but then you have concussions that can kind of ruin careers like Tyler Ennis. He just sort of, once he had his two big concussions, he just was not the almost point-of-game player we thought he was all going to be. Sure. Yeah, there's a, there's a laundry list of players who have had their careers cut short due to concussions. Knee injuries and shoulders and especially backs. I think back injury might be my number two after concussions for yeah. major injury red flags. Cause I've had a bad back and there is no way I could play hockey with a bad back and, and yeah. let alone non-contact hockey like the OHL. I couldn't, I couldn't even do that. It's just so painful. The slightest little thing. And to think about these players that are having lower back injuries and going out there and, Mary Lemieux couldn't even tie his own skates his back was so bad and he's out there getting molested and attacked and slashed (laughs) and hit every chance someone had to hit him I was just like man and Wendell Clark I was like I just don't understand how you can endure that 
Yeah. Um, and then you got yeah. shoulder injuries that I would put number three for sure. Cause then you got like the Tarasenko situation where it just seems to keep any little thing. Once you have a one, like once you dislocate your shoulder once, like the smallest thing can keep just redoing it. Yeah. Yeah. Shoulders and knees are, are pretty much a tie for me. Um, and the knee, because if you can't, if you can't keep up with the pace, like if you can't skate fast or pivot, if you're a defenseman, you can't pivot the way you you used to. And as soon as the league gets wind of that, you know, there you just blown by you every every other shift. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's a little tidbit on injuries. Um, that might be uh, <laughs> a little helpful. segue. Yeah, a little say that might be helpful information for people doing research for their hockey pools. Um, something else like in terms of hockey research, kind of maybe breaking away from the sleepers and prospects. Um, we were talking a little bit just before I hit the record button on how we do some of our, our research for our articles and something that I've noticed in my time doing some hockey writing and, and podcasting and, and always being in hockey pools is they really go hand in hand. Then that's one of the reasons why I like doing this podcast and doing the research is because it's beneficial for me in my hockey pools. Um, so what are some tricks that you use uh, or even some just websites uh, when you're doing research for this kind of stuff for an article or for your own fantasy team. Yeah. Um, well, we got the great Dauber website that has everything on it, like frozen pools. Um, that's a top one. Yeah. I'm looking at teams for openings for who may come in as a cap friendly thing. Um, I'm usually always on elite prospects too. That has to be one of my favorite websites. Um, and then just random sort of just research anywhere. You got your roto wire for injuries. Yeah, I'm just sort of things like that. And yeah. the guides, which everyone should buy from Dauber. Unless you're in a league with us, in which case yeah. they're rubbish. Don't don't pay any <laughs> don't pay any attention to them. But if you're not yeah. in our leagues, you should absolutely buy uh yeah, and I, <laughs> I I'm a a subscriber to the theory that you should get as many of those as you can. I, I, I'm a huge fan of the Forecaster magazine, partially because it's still a print magazine, and I just I just love getting my hands on the actual yeah. physical copy of it. The Dauber one is I'm super biased. The podcast is called Dauber Prospects, but it's it's the best, let's be <laughs> honest. Yeah, it's um, updated, right? So my yeah. trick is tell everyone to get the magazines, and that way I have the updated information. Yeah, I find the the points projections on Dauber's to be the most reliable. Uh, the forecaster is pretty good too. Um, yep. But one of the things that I miss on on Dauber's that I get in the forecaster is the forecaster has like a little tiny blurb on on all the players, and Dauber doesn't uh, doesn't go player by player on the roster. He just talks about the stuff he thinks is most fantasy relevant. The McKean's yearbook's good too. Um, the Elite Prospects website tab is perpetually open on my computer and my cell phone i'm a subscriber to uh ep premium uh, i think the the game tracking stats you can get from them uh are very helpful um in both fantasy and article researches you can see when players score their points are they a streaky score or do they just score consistently you know like a point a game yeah. a point every other game or they go four games without a point and then have a five point night and yeah. then a one point night and then another stretch of seven with nothing. Right. I'll, I'll take the guy that's a little bit more consistent every day. Thanks. Yeah. I think frozen pools is good for pointing that out. 
Yeah. And with, he... um, well, Frozen Pools is my number one there, but then sometimes I'll also take a gander over to Hockey Reference or some of the more advanced stat websites. I'll check those out too. Yeah, anytime I get a trade offer, pretty much the first thing I do is go to Frozen Pools and do the compare player. Yeah. Um, and then I'll I'll take a look at um, I want to call it Cap Geek, but it's not called Cap Geek anymore. It's Cap Friendly. I'm just dating myself <laughs> a little bit there. Okay, uh, Cap Geek was awesome. It was Cap Friendly. Not awesome according too. to Gary Bettman. No one wanted it according to him. Oh yeah, no, no. Why would anyone want to know that stuff? Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, I'll, I'll take, I'm in a cap, all my leagues are capped, so uh, that's. And that's why massive. you're way smarter than me. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just, I, I don't know what it is about myself, but cap leagues, I'm just like, okay, this guy, this is fine. And then I'm all of a sudden like, oh, I have seven roster spots and like a million dollars. So I turn into the penguins and just sell assets <laughs> off for nothing. <laughs> Are you are you in the the Dover Prospects League? I was for a bit, but um, I can't do free pools. I can't commit myself to it. That's just a me thing. Fair enough. It like, is... I like winning, sure, but I mean, I like winning money more than I like just winning. Yeah, fair enough. It's incredible how impactful the salary cap is on player values. Yeah, it just it's a it's a level of of enjoyment I get from hockey pools that I I. I don't think I would be in a pool that, that didn't have salary caps anymore. Um, okay, so that's a little uh, side rant there about <laughs> how to do one. some, yeah, a little extra theme for this episode on, on how to get a little bit of uh, player value. I think um, another way that you can get some value out of sites like Cap Friendly or um, Daily Faceoff or Frozen Pools that have updated uh rosters for teams and depth charts um the elite prospects depth chart is a little bit not uh not updated enough for me to consider it to be reliable um but just looking at you know because i can't watch every game every night right like i it might be a long time before i watch a minnesota wild game and if someone offers me a minnesota wild winger i'm like cool (laughs) <laughs> where's he where's he playing right now is he on the first line or is he on the, f- the third line because that makes a huge difference like who's he playing with um yeah. and is so, he shooting 25 percent right now Something yeah like that. yeah uh okay so rather than be team specific let's talk about just a couple of uh how long have we been going on this this seems like it's being a long one let's talk about a couple of players that are prospects sleepers or the like that um are high on your list this year for great value picks and that being that you think you can get them later in draft they're a little bit under the radar and you think they're going to play and a regular kind of minute throughout the season and be productive just start labeling them off is that what you want me to do just bam bam anyone i can think of let's go back and forth we'll do like one at a time kind of like rapid fire with with a short little conversation about each guy why we like them i was gonna say maybe we should go team by team then that could be fun but i'll just start with chicago because i opened that up um p.s Suter, they're signing from overseas they always seem to just pluck a player overseas stick him in their top nine and he scores like the blackhawks are pretty much with their goaltending not going to do anything this year except lose but um they're still going to score they still got Kane they still 
I would say Taves, but I've never been a fantasy plan of him. Um, one fantasy advice I'll give everyone is let someone else draft Taves and you just hang back unless you can get him mid to late round. Um, yeah, but Pia Suter is a player I'm pretty was pretty impressed with because I was mostly looking at um, Andre Altabaramkian. <laughs> I say names so wrong. I've messed myself up. Uh, I, I think we this. can. I think we can forgive you for that one. Yeah. No, I just. I just. Yeah. This one. Come on. No one's gonna say it right. But I have made a habit of saying names wrong for fun, and it's now messed with me forever. But um, he was like my big sleeper for Chicago. I was going to be like, okay, he'll make the team. No one is talking about him. And then they signed P.S. Suter, and I'm like, well, that kind of took away his roster spot. So, I mean, I guess he can play in the AHL for a bit. Yeah, okay, I like I like P.S. Suter too. And, in fact, I picked him in the first round of my fantasy draft in another league. I just I don't know where they're gonna stick him, right? Because Chicago could stick him with no one, or stick him with Kane. Well, uh, I think there's a roster spot available from the right wing that's vacated by Brandon Sat. Yeah. Uh, unless they convert Kirby Doc over, he's a center, right? Unless they convert yeah. Kirby Doc over to the wing, but I mean, oh, no, there's staying at C. But then you got like Strombolic and. To bring Cat and Kane, so and Nylander too. Nylander and Strom. That's why I'm like, it's like they have the whole center left side fixed and no real idea what to do on the right side behind Kane. Wait, I thought Chicago was supposed to be bad. We just named all these players that are pretty good. Well, then check <laughs> if you look at their defense and goaltending, you'll be like, oh yeah, there it is. There still it is. Mar- no, Seabrook. <laughs> right, Colin Delia and Malcolm Subban and Kevin Lankinen are your options in goal. So yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> and Lankinen could be good long term. I think this setup with Chicago is to see if any of these guys can actually be a starter. Mm-hmm. I'd probably put him with the highest upside for myself. Yeah. But then you got to play behind that defense, and it's like, well, no one's really going to look good. Yeah, Keith and Seabrook have certainly lost a step. They added Zadorov. Um, I like him in that I think he'll provide you a lot of hits and blocks in your fantasy league, but um, I'm not sure how adept he is at keeping the puck out of his own net. Adam Boquist, great prospect, very good offense. Yep. But, I mean, if you're counting on him to be your shutdown defenseman. Hmm. <laughs> well, they got to give him, they just got to give him the power play time. Last year, they just sort of, well, I'm thinking more um, the play-in playoffs. They just kind of rolled with Keith on the power play one. And when they steamrolled Edmonton, it looked like he still had some juice left. But then he really doesn't. It's got to be Boquist there for sure. All right, here's here's a sleeper from the Hawks for you. Ian Mitchell coming out of the NCAA. He is a fantastic prospect. And yep. coming out of the NCAA, I think he played at least three years there, if I'm not mistaken. So that would put him in his early 20s. So, you know, not a, not a teenager, not an over-the-hill veteran, just about to hit his stride. Um, might take him a season to really get in his comfort zone in the NHL and earn the confidence of the coaching staff for the prime minute deployments. But Ian Mitchell is a player that who I would say you might want to put on your sleeper list. Um, those are two guys that were right at the top of my list, actually. 
Um, yeah, but you still want to take Boquist ahead of Mitchell for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But I don't think Boquist is much of a sleeper anymore. Yeah, no, that's true. But I mean, like, he also hasn't really broken out like I think everyone hopes. Fair enough. Um, okay, so let's uh, let me throw a name at you. I kind of like maybe it's because I own him. Uh, Glenn Godden, <laughs> Calgary Flames yeah. prospect. Now, how is he going to fit in the roster? Um, that remains to be seen. I mean, obviously, your first line is is kind of a secure with Monaghan, Gaudreau, Lind- Lindholm. And you've got Kachuk, Mangiapan, Backland. Um, those guys, I, those are all. Dubé. Yeah, Dylan Dubé, Sam Bennett, Milan Lucic by virtue of his contract. I, you know, <laughs> so you're kind of running out of roster spots here. But, um, you know, Glenn Godden had a really great season last year. He showcased himself really well. Uh, he's a little bit on the small size, but yeah, that's okay. I don't think that really matters so much anymore. Um, so I think he's got the potential to play the majority of the season in the AHL and light it up again and kind of get pigeonholed as a career AHLer. And I think all he really needs is an opportunity. I just don't know where that's going to come this season on Calgary, barring an injury or some player having a, a bed pooping experience all season long. Uh, that doesn't have Lucic's contract. It doesn't have Lucic's Right, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if Calgary was... Um, open to the concept of of trading sam bennett yeah no me neither he really hasn't panned out even though he does play well in the playoffs you know what i love sam bennett i you know kingston frontenac player so um i'm endeared to him and i've i've interviewed him a couple of times and he seems like a pretty cool guy uh i really want him to succeed and a guy that can grow a mustache like that when you're (laughs) 20 years old or whatever he is, is is also pretty impressive that is some that is a good soup strainer he's got there. But yeah. he's just not producing very well in the regular season. And I wouldn't be surprised if Calgary would be willing to try and shop him as a reclamation project for someone else's reclamation project or draft pick. Yeah, uh, or maybe hope that if they leave him out there, Seattle will take him. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, I, I don't think that's... so. They're pretty heavy in analytics, and I don't think he's the darling there. That's a topic for another episode, though, the expansion draft. Um, okay, and then sticking on Calgary, I'll, I'll even throw out another name for you. Uh, Yusuf Elamaki. Uh, yeah. He missed, like, all of last year with injury, but has been tearing it up overseas this year. I think he's got 17 points in 17 games last time I looked. So that's impressive. That's great, right? So a lock for the roster. Well, Giordano, Rasmus Anderson, they added Chris Tanev. Noah Hannafin, and then you still got Oliver Shillington. They they brought back to the NHL from Europe Nikita Nesterov. So I don't know, maybe maybe not. What do you think? Is oh, Valimaki's making the team 100%. I think he could end the season as their best defenseman. Him or Anderson. It's pretty much, you could lock those two together and just try to lock them down as long as you could in the NHL. Right, so you think that the... Giordano's running on fumes, right? Uh, yeah, I think he's still good, but he's sort of like he was first line forever, and now it's like, well, maybe put him on the second line and don't give him twenty five minutes a night. Maybe give him more nineteen. Right, it's kind of like what uh, Bruins have done with with Chara. 
he's not out there yeah. all the time, but you know, he's he's still on the roster. He's still valuable and contributing, just not twenty plus minutes a night. I'm around Flames fans all the time. You'd be surprised how many actually don't like him. But, well, not, I wouldn't say wouldn't like. It's more this play in playoffs. It was like, oh, Giordano's turning everything over. I was like, whoa, okay. You know when fans just sort of turn on a player sometimes? Or there's their one player scapegoat? Something like that. Oh, yeah. I was just surprised. I love Gio, so... His old uh, his old buddy there, TJ Brody. He's I think he's going to be the president of the Goat Horn <laughs> <laughs> campaign in Toronto. The, the Jake Gardner helmet. That's right. Oh man, there's there's been a, a long and glorious list of great players to play defense for the Toronto Maple Leafs that have worn the Goat Horns. Um, I think the uh, the bar set pretty high with Larry Murphy there where Leaf fans booed him <laughs> out of town and forced Toronto to give him away for nothing to Detroit where he went on to win Stanley Cups with them. Uh, anyway, so there's there's two off Calgary. Do you got anyone oh. else on Calgary that you want to throw out or do you want to go to a different team? Oh, yeah. No, no, I was going to launch two at you. Uh, I'm I'm still a fan of Matthew Phillips. He's, I believe, smaller than Glenn Godden, if mm-hmm. I am correct. I'm a big fan of him scoring. His upside. And uh, Peterson there. Matthias Emilio. Or maybe Pedersen. I'm pretty sure it's Peterson, but it's probably Pedersen. I'm a fan of those two. Actually, I'd probably take them ahead of Godin, but I'm a big Godin fan too. Like you are, you get signed as an overager in the WHL and you still produce. Like that's pretty much uncommon nowadays. Yeah, yeah. And earlier I, I kind of said I'm a little bit concerned about, you know, signing players who are uh, late bloomers kind of thing. But um, I don't know. I You know, you see a guy who has a really strong season in the CHL league and, as an overager. Um, and quite often they get signed and then never make it out of the AHL or even the ECHL. Um, so a couple of ways, a couple of things you can, you can try. And I asked Craig Button when he was on what he looks for with those players. And he's like progression. And they all of a sudden out of kind of nowhere as a 20 year old in a league full of 16, 17, 18 year olds, are they only then starting to show some offensive upside? The same thing in the NCAA, you've got NCAA free agents, guys who are point of game players in their senior year, but in their sophomore year, they had like five. Oh, yeah, that's a big thing definitely to look for. Also, when you try to uncover some waiver wire gems in keeper leagues, like players who are scoring now, but how have they been scoring? Are they scoring now because they're all of a sudden like Brett Leeson size? Right. And just dominating everyone? All right, you know what? I just... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm good. Yeah, I just thought of another Calgary Flames player who I think is a great sleeper prospect because we're talking about guys coming out of the NCAA, and that's <laughs> defenseman Connor Mackey. I think uh, he's kind of progressed nicely. Um, I've talked to some people who are far more expertise at the NCAA than I am and watch way more college hockey than I do, and he can't. He comes with glowing reviews. Uh, I think... Uh, before the offseason moves all happened in Calgary, he's someone who I had penciled in on the roster. 
But now that you've got Falamaki back, they've added Tanev, they've added Nesterov specifically, I think that's going to be problematic for him. Uh, yeah, Nesterov could way. sit as a seventh defenseman. They still, like you said before, had Shillington too. Like, are they going to move him? What's the plan? Are they going to finally just sort of give him time and let him have his couple right. turnovers and roll with it? Right. So anyways, hopefully... Uh, Seattle Kraken create a, a roster opportunity for for Connor Mackey. Uh, he might not get it this year, much to my disappointment, but uh, I think he's one to to keep an eye on, maybe for longer term. Okay, uh, we're running out of time, so let's go through a few more players real quick. Okay, I will do a quick one. Um, we talked about this, and you're like, there's no one even there, but Capitals, I think Daniel Sprong. Um, if they give him an opportunity, and like I said in the ramblings that are going to come out, um, so spoiler, um, if they mm-hmm. finally realize they should put Oshi down on line three, he could perfectly get the line two spot. Um, I do believe Mick Michael, he's pretty much NHL ready, but I don't think the caps will rush him. I think they'll wait an extra year before they bring him up. And even then him and well, bring him up and then Lapierre up if he works out. Um, yeah, that was my one for the capitals aside from Daniel Carr, who's always scored in the AHL. Looked good for Montreal that couple times, and he's just seemingly been stuck in the AHL for life. Yeah, he might be a career AHL player, kind of like what I was talking about with Glenn Godden. Um, yeah. yeah, Connor McMichael's a surefire NHL player, I think, and potential star. Um, but he does have another year of, of CHL eligibility. He's very likely to make Team Canada for the World Juniors. We'll see where he goes from there. Um, I don't know if the OHL is going to have a season for him to play in this year. And if they're yeah. serious about this non-contact thing, some NHL teams will be <laughs> like, my prospects aren't playing there. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with him. He might just practice with the team, the NHL team all season. Who knows? Um, okay. Who... Do you want me to keep listing names off? I got... I just pulled up another one, um, Vili Husso for St. Louis. Um, I personally have no faith in Jordan Bennington. Um, so Husso, since they don't have anyone really signed there, could take over the starter role. So if you had a really late pick on available and you need a goalie, I, I would pick him, especially behind the St. Louis machine. You know, he was poised to be the next in line. Uh, in St. Louis and then he got injured and then St. Yeah. Louis needed someone and he wasn't able to go and then uh, then a little miracle happened and he <laughs> he kind of <laughs> lost his uh, his chance but it looks like the bubbles burst and he might be getting another opportunity here in the near future so that's a good one um, what about Gabe Velarde do you think he's a sleeper uh, yeah I would definitely put him in but like you said back issues right and you gotta always be cautious yeah uh, he lost an entire season and a half. Yeah, he lost it, but he looked good. He sure did. He like uh, was doing some research for my rookie of the year article, and and he made my top ten. And I mentioned the elite prospects premium package with the uh, the game tracker. He had seven points in the last ten games in the NHL before the season uh, went dark. Uh, that's the kind of uh, that's the kind of thing that I, I look for too. Is like who finished the season really strong. Who's yeah. a player that maybe uh, had a, a strong playoff run that I can that I can look at? You know, for a prospect to to make the the playoffs and perform in the playoffs, I think can be really indicative of you know what they can do in the future. 
Um, that might be a nice segue uh, to my next guy, Joel Kiviranta. I don't yeah. think he's not uh, he's not Calder eligible, but um, at least I don't think he is. Um, no, I think he is as long as he played. Well, I don't know actually the rules. It might be different with playoff games, but I don't know how high his upside is. But the line with him, hints and um, the guy whose name I'm just randomly blanking on, even though he was drafted like 11th or 12th overall, and I've been hoping for him to do good um, for the longest time. So I was glad he finally did. That line looked great for Dallas in the playoffs when. Rick Bonus would actually let the young players play. He is eligible for the Calder because he has not played more than 25 games in a single season. He played 11 regular season games last year, and he is not going to be over 26 years old. He's only 24, so he's a total Calder candidate. Uh, I'm not sure if Gurionov he's going to get... was the name. Oh, yeah, I like him. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he would because this year is going to be kind of... Um, competing with that Lafreniere guy who's probably going to be a bust and that Kaprasov guy who's probably going to run back to the KHL. Right. So here's an example <laughs> of of how I like to do some some research, talking about Joel Kivuranta. So last season, he only played 11 games. He had one goal. That's it, right? 23 points in 48 games in the AHL. But then, you know, everyone remembers, oh, yeah, he was dynamite in the playoffs. 14 games, five goals, six points. Yeah. So... He had a three-goal game. That's it. Everything else is is spread out. You know, long stretches of no points. He had a couple back-to-back goals uh, in the last game against Vegas and the first game against Tampa, and then he didn't score again against Tampa. So, you know, maybe temper expectations with Joel Kivaranta. If you watch that one game where he had three points and you're like, oh, my God, (laughs) this guy is going to win the Calder Trophy and the Hart Trophy next year. Yeah. no, that not. might be something you let someone else draft. You know, it's fresh in the minds. Right. A recency bias. Sort of like a Fernando Pisani is actually going to start scoring 40 goals a year now type of thing. Right. Maybe not. Uh, okay, let me throw another name at you. Miko Lettinen, defenseman for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Free agent signee coming over. Led the KHL in defense scoring. Has like 17 points in 17 games <laughs> or whatever it is over there right oh. now. Uh, he's terminated his contract with Joker in the KHL, actually, so he can come and um, be with the Leafs for training camp and go yep. through his COVID um, lockdown and, and be with the team. Do you think he is a good sleeper candidate? Does he have fantasy upside? Can he be a top four power play? Yeah, absolutely. I think he could. He might be able to steal the power play role from... Riley only because I believe he has a better one timer than Riley, but I don't know a hundred percent because Riley's still great on offense. So they might split it up into the two power play um, setups again. That Babcock kind of meticulously, stubbornly crafted, just because they have so many good players. But I would yeah, be not all so many... in on him getting about forty plus points for sure. I would pick him in the middle of the late. Yeah, the Leafs do have a lot of good players, but not a lot of good defensemen. Yeah, I was going to say, they have a lot of good forwards, but they need yeah. the players to pass it to them. And, and certainly not a lot of do it. certainly not a lot of good offensive defensemen. And then they got one, really. Yeah. Well, Sandin and Lilgren coming up are both great. Could be. Are they? Yeah, I should say could be, yes. Yeah, 
Yeah. See, I think uh, Lettinen's 26, so yeah. he's got a little bit more uh, less green banana on him than the other two. He's uh, another player for the Leafs who might be a sleeper only because people might have forgotten how good he did was uh, Mikheyev. Right? He plays mm-hmm. in the playoffs, no points, but if he's set up on a line with Marner and Taveras, like, you get points by accident. How could you not? I mean, yeah. yeah. They got a couple guys like that. Hyman. Yeah. He's a great example. All right. <laughs> Crashes let's, the net. Let's do one little, one more little fun thing here. Uh, which Robertson brother would you rather, would you draft first? Jason Robertson with the Dallas Stars, who's already turned pro and is out of minor eligibility, played one game in the NHL uh, against Toronto, I think it was, or maybe it was Ottawa. Um, and looked pretty good. I think, you know, he's a first round pick, so he's, uh, he's right there. Or Nick Robertson, Toronto Maple Leafs. Played in the playoffs with the Leafs. Looks like he might have made guys like Sammy Kapanen and Andreas Johansson expendable. Which Robertson mm-hmm. would you pick first? Oh, I'd take Nick Robertson 100%. Only because and this is another thing I look at when um, I'm researching. Which teams, like which coaches are stubborn to play rookies? So Rick Bonus is really stubborn to play rookies. You've seen it with Hints when he did really well and then Bonus comes in. And his ice time got cut by like five minutes or like you have a coach like Barry Trotz, great coach. But if you haven't experienced the NHL play, you're not playing and they're trying to go get an Andy Green to sub in over you being little old Nick Dobson. So opportunity and players both for Robinson in Toronto. Yeah, you think he's he's got some some roster spot there that he can steal away from someone in a top six role yeah i think toronto like i said if you look at their cap page they're the weirdestly structured team they have so many contracts that are just one way 700k that they could just sneak to the minors that maybe other teams don't want to take because they don't want to pay the players the one-way pay and toronto has the advantage of making a whole lot of money where they can easily just play a player like that or pay a player like that Right, so I don't think he's stealing a top six position away from. Well, let's just look at the wingers then. So Bonner, Bonner and Nylander, no chance. Yeah. I think they. I don't think he's going to knock Zach. He's much more skilled than Zach Hyman, but I think they like what Hyman brings to that Matthews line. Yeah, Ilya Mikhaev, and then after that, you know, he could stick on that line though because he did look pretty good, Robertson. Uh... Kerfoot and I forget the other winger, but they did look good. Yeah. So after that, yeah. So it, there's Wayne Simmons, Pierre Engvall, Joey Anderson. I really like Joey Anderson, by the way. Uh, yeah. Jimmy Vesey. They signed Alexander Barabinov out of yeah. Europe. I think he's a fourth liner. They got um, Jumbo Joe now and Spezza. Right. They'll be their third, fourth line centers, I suppose. They had a Travis. favorite of mine in the Capitals who they would just never give any opportunity to in Travis Boyd. I always thought he could be better than he could be. You know, it's just I think he was stuck with an opportunity situation. Well, there's there's things to like there. And at the same time, I think there's some opportunities there. Uh, I'm not really sold on Jimmy Vesey. No. <laughs> You couldn't make he couldn't make it work a hundred percent beside Jack Eichel, but then also he was playing on the Sabres, so yeah, that, that Buffalo. Yeah. Um, all right, last player Jesse Pugliarvi. He's coming back 
Edmonton Oilers, a lot of leagues might have jettisoned off their keeper rosters if they're not that deep. Um, he was third overall pick in his draft. Is he going to live up to that standard or that expectation? Or do we welcome him back to the NHL as a role player? Where do you see um, him? I think they'll keep Cassian up with McDavid to start. So I think he'll be third line. But then I think they'll realize, hey, we should play someone good with McDavid. And then they'll put Poliarvi up there. So I think to start, he won't look good. But to finish the year, he'll look really good. One of the things I always try to avoid is falling in love with a player because he's going to play with someone else. Yeah. Right? Like, but, I mean, that's what I made learned us that love. Lesson. Sorry. I, learned, I learned that lesson with Rob Brown. I watched Rob Brown play in a game one season on a line. might have been the playoffs with Mary Lemieux, and I was just like, this guy's going to score 50 goals. <laughs> I, got, I got to draft him. He's going to score 50 goals. And he didn't play with Mario, and he didn't score 50 and he didn't stay in the NHL very long. So are we drafting Jesse Pugliarvi if we think he's going to play with McDavid, or are we drafting him because if he doesn't play with McDavid, he plays with Dreisaitl, we're still good. Yeah, well, I think Yamamoto has the Dreisaitl winger position locked up. Right. Well, James Neal doesn't look to me like someone who is rock-solid reliable yeah. No, not at all. No, I, I think Pugliarvi, I don't know. I've, I'm I'm a fan. I think if you can get him late enough, it could pay dividends. Because he's better than Neil and he's better than Cassian and he is going to get hurt a lot less than James Neal and he's a much better player than Zach Cassian. So. All right. Do you got any uh, any last-minute contributions? Oh, yeah. Let me rattle off a few names for you. Okay. <laughs> for the Rangers, um, Kravtsov, who is, seems to found his mojo again in the KHL. And then I think a lot of people might be forgetting that um, Andre Miller is going to come over for the Rangers. So those are two prime prospects that people might not quite remember. Um. For the Panthers, we have Owen Tippett, who just is like the only Panthers player that played well in the AHL, well, for the rookies. Um, Denisenko, if people aren't paying attention. Um, and then I grabbed a couple from L.A. too, because L.A. is just pretty much wide open. Like, there's Byfield who should make it. Um, for me, I would probably keep put him overseas if I could, if I was the Kings, just because they have so much sort of competition there um but for the kings they also have tyler madden they traded for leah anderson um matt luff always looks good so you have like those three players um and then i was gonna pop out uh the player everyone seems to forget um ely tolvanen too for nashville they seem Poyle david Boyle has seemingly decided that he wants his team to play that 2003 version of hockey and kind of forgets that you need scores so they're going to need Tolvanen to step up and hopefully he actually gets an opportunity but I don't have a ton of faith in John Hines as a Devils fan so much to unpack there but this has already been yeah this has been a long (laughs) episode already um uh, Byfield, I talked about that on the Steve Laidlaw podcast. I'm with you. Uh, so is he. He, Steve and I agreed that uh, Quentin Byfield would probably be best served going over to Europe 
and playing yeah. this season somewhere like Switzerland or something like that, following in Austin Matthews' footsteps, as he said. Um, I, I, I think he needs an opportunity to play pro hockey, but I don't think he's ready for the NHL. Craig Button said uh, to me that the NHL is not a developmental league and players shouldn't spend seasons developing in the NHL. They should mm-hmm. do that in developmental leagues and dominate there before they come over to the NHL. Too many a good player has had their career and confidence uh, crushed by being forced into a situation where they just weren't equipped to handle yet. And, you know, I think Quentin Byfield has all the upside in the world. I just don't think he's, he's just a raw talent. I don't think he's developed enough. Um, I just watched two uh, Team Canada uh, selection camp exhibition games. And, you know, he looked good there, but he just he wasn't blowing me away. Yeah. And, you know, that's a high quality roster that he's playing on and against. Um, you know, it's, it's basically two teams made up of first round draft. Yeah. Oh, um, about it. Canada should send two teams this year. Like, holy crap. They could do that every year. Um, so, yeah, I'm with you. I, I love Quinton Byfield, and I think he can be a great NHL player. I just don't think he should start in the NHL this year. Yeah, he went to the perfect team that could allow him to not come into the NHL this year, too, in my opinion. I think he went to the perfect team for it. Yeah, Even though just... they have, like, 15 centers who could all play. So, yeah, that's a team that's interesting. They are very deep at center, and I think he's the the best of the bunch. Oh, Long term, but just but just not right now. And I wouldn't be surprised if L.A. did uh, something similar to what I mentioned at the top of the show with Ottawa and, and Belleville, where they just kind of cycle these players between their Ontario AHL team, if there is an AHL season, uh, and their NHL team and, and have guys come up, play a little, have a cup of coffee, practice with the team, then go back, get in some some serious reps and minutes um, in Ontario and then bring someone else along for the the ride at the NHL level. All right. Um, Pat, I could literally do this all night long, I think. <laughs> but uh, anyone who's listening to this podcast on their way to work is probably at work and then listen to the rest on the way back home again uh, and, is, <laughs> and is now on their treadmill listening. So we probably should wrap this up. Thanks for doing this uh, long and very good episode with me. I really appreciate it. And uh, what do you got coming down the pipe with Dauber Prospects? Uh, Me, just the ramblings on Thursday. That'll finish up this sort of series. And then the Capitals, um, 31 and 31, which is usually a pretty quick write-up for me um, on Sunday. Yeah. How many of the 31s have you you coined this off-season? Like have how you many have? Yeah, have you have you filled in for any of the writers? Have you written any yet? Oh no, I haven't had to yet. So that's been pretty good. Last year, I think I did like three, three or four. Yeah, I just uh, I just agreed to do Tampa. I think it was oh. today, and I did Dallas earlier. So speaking of of resources for your fantasy hockey research, you mentioned Dauber prospects, Dauber hockey. Uh, these thirty one thirty one series, they're great for for this. Um, I think specifically the next month's December's series will be a really good one. So if your fantasy draft is a little bit closer to the NHL season uh, in December or early in the new year, whenever the December 31 and 31 series is all about what we're just talking about teams that have opportunities 
risers and fallers in their prospects, an updated depth chart, players who are graduating from, you know, junior or signed as uh, out of NCAA or coming over from from Europe to try and, and make their NHL or sorry, North American debut. These are the kind of things that um, you want to know going into your draft. Who's who's graduating? Who's off um, one or two way contracts? Who would have to go through waivers if they wanted to get sent down? That's the kind of that kind of meat you get on the bone in the December 31 series. So check out the November. It's a draft recap, an off-season recap. Touches a little bit about opportunities, players coming in. Um, and then the December ones coming up, um, they're super juicy for that. All right, so that's all I got for this episode. Pat, what's your Twitter handle? For anyone who wants to follow you on Twitter, not only do you give a lot of good hockey and, and prospect information, you're a pretty funny guy, man. So hit oh, me with your Twitter good. handle. At least someone thinks that. No. <laughs> I was like, I've been so bad at tweeting these last two weeks. Um, I've just been promoting our own stuff. Um, at FHP Quinn. For the FH, FH stands for fantasy hockey. Oh, yeah. There you go. Someone got it. I don't think Steve got that. I think that went over his head. So this is the smarter podcast for sure. <laughs> well, you, you heard it here, and I didn't even have to say it. I'll give you your uh, I'll give you your ten bucks after. All right, <laughs> thanks very much for coming on, uh, Pat Quinn. Everybody, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, um, tweet it, share it, tell it to all your friends. Give me a give me a five star review on whatever podcast form you're listening to. Give me a like there, and uh, I'll try to have another episode out soon. I got lots to talk about coming up with the World Juniors. And the seasons are starting. I've been watching some NCAA hockey, so maybe I'll try and find an NCAA guest to talk Big Ten. And uh, hopefully we'll see you on an episode real soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>